So uh, we have Luke from Gateway here. We have Sandy. We have Randy, our elder. And so I'm going to let Luke take it from here. And um, yeah. Well, here, it, oh, baby. <laughs> That's how we do it. It's like that. In case you yeah. weren't awake. Uh, yeah, great to see you all this morning. Uh, welcome to Redemption Flagstaff. My name is Luke Simmons. I'm one of the pastors at Redemption Church Gateway and part of the leadership and executive team of Redemption Church. And this is an exciting day for us as the whole Redemption Church family, and especially here at Redemption Flagstaff, uh, because we, uh, many of you know this already, but some of you may not, that today we are officially announcing that Anthony is going to be the lead pastor going forward here at Redemption Flagstaff. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we're... We're very excited about that. If you're a guest uh, with us, you're like, wow, I came on quite a day. And you did come on quite a day. And uh, so uh, welcome to you. Um, and so I think many of you know Randy. Uh, Randy's served as an elder here for a long time. Woo! Give it up for Randy Morris. Uh, you may not know Sandy. This is Sandy Mason. Sandy's been a pastor full time for about the last 40 years until recently this past fall. <laughs> when, he, when he started when he was seven. And uh, he's just joined the redemption team. Um, we've really felt this need to uh, really try to have somebody who could be a little bit of a pastor to the pastors. And so Sandy's come on board and is going to be just over these next years getting uh, time with all of our lead pastors, the G's included. And so we're, uh, we're excited to have him with us here today as well. I think he'll be a blessing uh, to this church, even though uh, you may not always get to know him. I think you might preach here at some point as well, too, which will be kind of fun. So um, I just wanted to share a couple brief things and then take a moment and pray for uh, Anthony and for Jess. And, and by the way, we didn't introduce, but Jessica G, everyone. Ooh. Let's be honest. Nothing happens in this guy's life without her <laughs> at all. That's so that's a big deal. So um, I want to just say a couple things, and then uh, we'll pray, and then uh, move on to the rest of the service. But when we think about this process of identifying uh, whether Anthony was going to be the lead pastor here, um, really the, the first thing was just trying to say, Anthony, is this something you want to do? Right? Obviously, uh, with a lot of the challenges that the congregation's faced in the last six months, we didn't want to just assume that this was something that Anthony was going to do. This wasn't to say, hey, Anthony's the lead pastor by default, uh, but to say, is this something that he and Jessica really feel a calling to and a sense that this is the Lord's direction in their life? And then from there, when they said, yes, this is something we want to do, um, we really felt like we wanted to go through a process involving a number of people um, here in Flagstaff as well as beyond and, and the rest of the Redemption family to, to really try to recognize are the gifts of being a lead pastor evident in uh, Anthony's life. And this is the kind of thing where even today as we pray for Anthony, you need to realize we are not giving him gifts of leadership. We are recognizing the gifts of leadership that he already has. Um, and so going through a process to talk with he and Jess about their life and their marriage and their family and his ministry together, um, to really try to provide some evaluation to say, hey, here's some things over the next season that we really want to affirm in you as strengths, some other areas that we feel like could improve that we want to come alongside and support and encourage you with. And so in the Redemption family, we're up here at Flagstaff, we're one of 10 congregations in that family. And so there's plurality, uh, there's support, there's input, there's lots of different people speaking into it, and we want to continue to have that be the process. Um, and then one more thing I want to say is uh, just what's your role in this? You have a role as uh, participants and members of Redemption Flagstaff uh, as it relates to Anthony and Jessica. And so I want to charge you and encourage you uh, to love them well. 
love their family well. Um, one of the challenges and uniquenesses of being a ministry family is that where you work and where you go to church are the same thing. You probably don't think about that a lot. Uh, you know, for most of you, when your work is difficult, you can lean on your church family to kind of help you walk through that. It's not like that as a pastor. As a pastor, you're often kind of wondering, what hat am I wearing? Am I your friend? Am I your pastor? Am I your counselor? Am, what, what, what is this? And so, so this family needs a lot of your love. They also need a lot of your prayers. There's a weight, there's a spiritual uh, dynamic to leadership and ministry that's real and that's serious. Uh, there's an enemy that we believe really would like to take these guys out, and so they need your prayers and they need your encouragement that way. And that's another thing they need. They do need your encouragement. Uh, not just for you to feel thankful for them, but for you to actually express it, to write a note, to send an email, to uh, uh, maybe give a gift at some point, uh, not to try to butter him up for anything, uh, but just to show an, an appreciation and an affection. And then the last thing I'd encourage you to do is to follow Anthony's leadership and to follow this leadership, to get engaged in the mission of the church, to join in RC, to serve in kids' ministry, to pick up some sort of responsibility and say, we're going to help bless the city of Flagstaff together. Um, follow him and, and, and join him in that mission. And so um, we want to uh, take a moment to uh, just pray for the G's. And uh, uh, Anthony, is there, or I'm sorry, Randy, is there anything you would like to add before we pray? No, I really appreciate your... Uh encouragement to the congregation that we as a congregants as the body of christ that we can lean into anthony and jessica uh continue to love them uh, during this transition period as you assume the uh the lead pastor role well, let's gather around uh, we'll gather around these guys and if you would extend a hand of uh just as a communication of your blessing on them uh, that would be great uh, randy i'm gonna actually ask you to pray first and then and then i'll Lord, we, uh, we thank you for this day, this time we can come together as your body and the leadership to uh, pray over this couple. I would ask that you would continue to put the fear of the Lord on, uh, on Anthony, that you would continue to um, have him pursue you, keep him humble as a priority, that he would continue to reach out to you. Secondly, that he would lead his family to, uh, to love you, to know you, Lord. And in that specific order, in the number three, he could lean into his church, into the body, and to minister to us, Lord. I ask these things in your son's name. Yes, Father, and I pray for Anthony and Jess. I thank you for the way that you've called them to yourself, uh, the way that you are their shepherd. Um, that even when they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they don't need to fear evil because you're with them. Your rod and your staff, they comfort them. God, even as we just sang, uh, we recognize that you're the shepherd of this church, that you're the senior pastor, that you're the ultimate leader. And so, God, all of us as your sheep want to follow you. And God, as, you, uh, as we recognize today your calling in Anthony's life as an under-shepherd of your flock uh, here at Redemption Flagstaff, God, we pray a blessing over this family. God, we pray that you would protect them from the evil one, we pray that you would protect them from their own sinful flesh. We pray that you would protect them from the influence of a sinful world. And we pray that they would fix their eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of their faith. God, I pray for Anthony that he would watch his life 
and his doctrine, um, that he would be an example to the flock in love and purity and in self-control. God, I pray um, that you would just bless this church through this couple's ministry. We pray for um, their family, for their kids uh, to have a great experience. We pray that their kids would continue to just love being part of this church. And we pray, um, God, that you would use Anthony and Jess, uh, that you'd use their gifts and you'd use their abilities and you'd use their weaknesses, that you would use their pain as a blessing to your people and beyond as a blessing to this city. God, we know that you are at work in Flagstaff, not just here at Redemption Flagstaff, but across the city. You're going before us. And we pray, God, that you would use this couple to um, help further your purposes here in this city. God, we love you. We're so thankful for the way you have uh, raised Anthony into this role and for your uh, blessing on him. And so we pray it would be a a life-giving experience for him. And we thank you in the strong name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Hey, will you congratulate this couple? Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, that's it. Yeah, thanks. I'll take it from here. Oh, you can just set it over there. Thanks, everybody. Um, Well, you hired a a pastor with allergies, so I have to wipe my nose. Truly. I know that uh, I I tend to cry as well, but these are allergies. Uh, Excuse me. Well, hey, um, I'm super thankful. I'm super thankful and I'm super honored. And uh, I know it's like the thing to say, but I, I really am humbled that I get to step into this role. I just, uh, I do it with humility because, I, or I, I've been humbled, I feel like, by God and just uh, at the task that it is. And, um, and so I'm just honored and thankful to be your pastor and to, to be the next lead pastor here. The second thing I want to say to you guys is uh, thank you. Thank you for who you, uh, you guys are. I, I, I love who you guys are. I love who this church is. Uh, when this transition first happened, I didn't know what was going to happen with our church. I didn't know what was gonna, how we were going to react. I had some ideas, and, and I, I felt pretty good about how we'd react. But I, I, I think that you guys reacted way more godly than I even expected. When, when this first happened, when we let Vince go, I had more people come up to me saying, Anthony, I need to become a member here. Or saying, how do I serve? How do I help? What can I do right now? Usually, uh, <laughs> when, when something like that has happened, when there's some sort of emergency like that, it's, it's like, jump ship, get out of here. But I, I felt like you guys all rallied and said, how are we going to move as a body in this new season for us? And so I, I'm just, I'm really thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for how you've stepped up, how you've shown me what the body of Christ is more deeply, what his love is like. And so I'm, I'm really thankful for you guys. So today we're not going to be in the book of John. Uh, the text for today's passage that normally is it's Jesus saying, I and the Father are one, and that felt a little weird, um, a little egotistical for me to be saying that on this day, and so obviously I don't think that, but, um, but I, I wanted to talk through kind of like what my heart for, the, for this church is. Uh, I'll, I'll say this to start. We say this in every Roots class, and, and Luke even touched on it a little bit. I'm, I'm not the, the actual lead pastor here. 
Jesus is the lead pastor here. And, and, and my hope as the lead pastor is not to like do my own thing or build my own church. My hope is to look at Jesus as our lead pastor and follow him and invite you guys along. That, that's, that's my hope. The other thing is this. Is I've, I've had a front row seat to watch God form this church over the last almost nine years here. And so I know that God has already established who this church is. God has, has made, given this church an identity and made them a people and made them a local expression of, of who he is. And so my hope is not to upturn that or subvert that in any way. My hope is to just go more deeply into who God has us to be. And so, so I, it's not going to be some big regime change as I, I, as I come into this because I've been blessed to see who God ha, has formed this church to be. And so, so I hope to just press into that more. So here, here's what I want to talk about. I, I do want to talk about what's my heart for, for this church today uh, and for this church in the coming years. I'm, I'm gonna, the way I'm going to answer that question is I, I'm going to start by reading two of my favorite passages. And those passages are going to help begin to answer what my heart for our church is. And then I'm going to talk about ways that you guys encourage me. Part, parts of your identity as a body of believers that, that, I, that I'm encouraged by and I don't want to go away. And then I, I want to spend some time talking through things we can press into more as a church. Things that, that, that we can press into more. And so you guys know me. I like to pray before I get into the Word. So will you guys pray with me as we get into the Word? God, thank you for being our pastor. Thank you for being the true lead pastor of this church. God, as I, as I talk through some things on my heart for this church, I pray that they, these are things on your heart too. Correct me if they're not. Correct us if they're not. God, we want to follow you. We want to have more of you in our life. Help us be a church that just truly represents you to the world. That everybody that engages with this body of believers would say, man, that reminds me of Jesus. Or they are so compelled to find out more about you because we look so much like Jesus. So God, we love you and we need you. Amen. All right, so what's my heart for the church? I, I, I want to start by reading two of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. The, the, there's these two passages, and really in this first one, just one verse that's stood out to me for so many years, and, and, and I just, I love it, and I'll explain why in a little bit. So if you, it will be on the screen, but Exodus 33, we're going to be in verses 7 through 11. I'll just read it. Now, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out of the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. 
Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So you have Moses using this tent of meeting to talk to God, interact with God, talk to him as a friend, and as assistant, we find out, Joshua, of the book of Joshua, he was there with him. And even after Moses would leave the tent, Joshua would sit. I don't know if Joshua would be interacting with God, but I, I get the sense that the, that the meeting would be over, but Joshua just wanted to sit there in the presence of God longer, reflecting, seeking the presence of God. Okay, I want to go to my other favorite passage. It's in Luke, Luke 10, one of my other favorite passages. We're going to be in verse 38. We're going to be talking about Mary and Martha, or reading about Mary and Martha, and this will set us up well in a couple weeks when we look at uh, Lazarus being raised from the dead. But another one of my favorite passages. 38, says this, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So Mary and Martha invite Jesus into their house. And Mary cannot help but just sit at his feet. Martha's running around all busy, and she's, she feels like her sister Mary should be helping her with this. And she even says, Jesus, get her to help me with this. And Jesus goes, no, she's choosing the good portion. She, there's only one thing that's necessary. Joshua sat in the tent of meeting longer. Mary sat at Jesus' feet. So what, what is my heart for this church? I'm going to quote Tyler Johnson, the lead pastor of All Redemption. He says this a lot to us as pastors. He says, I don't want to do this if we're not doing it with God. That's my heart for this church. I don't want to do this if we're not doing it with God. Right? We could be running around all busy like crazy, and it could be a lot of really good church stuff, but it could ultimately be just us building our own kingdom. I don't want to do this unless we're doing this with God. I don't want to do this unless we want to be the kind of people that sit in the tent longer. I don't want to do this unless, sorry, this mic is tripping. Uh, I, I don't want to do this Unless we, we understand that Jesus is the good portion. And sitting at his feet is what's necessary for us. So if, if this church if it exists just because we like doing nice things, or we like the benefits of God, or the benefits of the church, but we don't actually want to sit at his feet and sit in his presence, I don't want to do this. I want to do this with God. 
right? All of life is all for Jesus. And so we don't have to get legalistic about what it means to look like doing this with God. I think there all, that means that there's all sorts of ways that we'll worship God and do this with God that could look like busyness, but it is sitting in his presence. But I also think there's all sorts of ways we could look busy and be doing a lot of things and be doing it without God. But it seems like we are because it's the churchy thing. And so what I hope to, as we, as we move in to the next few years of our church, I, I hope it stays a part of our foundation, that we're doing this thing with God. This isn't just a fun show-and-tell time on Sundays. This is a time where we are interacting with the living God of the universe. I want to do this with God. I want to sit at his feet. I want to stay in the tent longer. And so, so what I want to do the rest of this message is I want to talk through things I'm encouraged by you guys. Things that it clearly shows me that you've been doing this with God. That this whole church thing, that being part of this church, that you've been doing it with God. Things that, that, that I'm so encouraged by, I don't want those things to go away in our church. And then I also want us to talk through uh, some things I want us to press into. Some things I want us to deepen as a church. So before I do that, I want to read um, from Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 opens with this... Uh, prayer, sort of, that, that Paul is kind of talking through with the, with the church in Colossae what he prays for them and how he's thankful for them in certain ways. And, and there's this one snippet of that prayer that reminds me of, of me and Randy's prayers for this church. And, and the ways that some of the things are the ways I'm encouraged and some of the things are the things I want to press into. And so I, I'm going to read Colossians 1, 9 through 14, and then we'll hop into some of that stuff. It says this, and so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the, in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This portion, this, it reminds me of, of how me and Randy, when we spend time praying together for this church, it reminds me of the sort of things we pray for, the th sort of things we hope for in this church. So first, I, I want to talk about s some of the things I'm, I'm encouraged by you guys, the things I, I don't want to change about us. And the first is this. It's going to sound irreverent, but I promise it isn't. But Jesus is your guy. I love that about you guys. It's the first thing that encourages me, and I don't want it to go away. And I know it sounds irreverent because I should probably say Jesus is your Lord. But I, I use kind of the colloquialism of the day that Jesus is your guy because Jesus is your guy. Like, he's who, he's who matters most to you. Like, you're here because you want more Jesus. You're not here for this or that. Or that. You want more Jesus. 
you want to know him more, you want to follow him more. Your guys' favorite sermons are when we get to talk about Jesus in depth and at length. Right? When I do sermons where I'm just like, let's just read and look at who Jesus is. You guys, you guys are like on the floor. Like you guys love it. Jesus is your guy. I love that. 99% of my work as a pastor is done. Probably more than that even. Because Jesus is our guy. Let that always be the case. Let us in this city be the Jesus people. That people, yeah, I know that, that guy from Redemption Flags, that gal from Redemption Flags, they're always talking about Jesus. It's like they know a real person. Because we do know a real person. Jesus is our God. I'm so encouraged that that's something true about our identity as a church. The second thing that I'm encouraged is you guys want to bear fruit in every good work. This kind of echoes a line in, in that passage in Colossians. You want to bear fruit in every good work. I don't know if I've met a group as hungry to do good works in the world. Like James 1.27 that says to, to care for orphans and widows in their distress. This is not just a command to you guys. This is a lifestyle. Right? When, when Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself, this is not just a command for you guys. This is a lifestyle for you guys. You want to bear fruit in the good work that God has for us so that he would be glorified. I love that about you guys. You know, one of my other favorite passages in Scripture is this story of this, this, this woman named Dorcas. And this woman named Dorcas, she, she, she dies. And what happens is all the widows in the city, they, they basically call Peter to come and heal her. But all the widows in the city, they're around her, and she's on her deathbed, dead. And it says, there's a little note, it says that Dorcas had made them tunics. She had made everybody tunics. She made everybody different items of clothing. And they were crying at her bed. I feel like you guys are like Dorcas. I truly believe that if all of a sudden somehow I snapped my fingers and you guys all didn't live in Flagstaff anymore, I think that people in the city would feel it. I love that about you guys. I'm excited for us to continue to press into that, continue to be that people, to continue to be a bunch of dorks together. It's, a, it's an unfortunate name. She actually, they, they translate it both ways. In the passage, it's Tabitha first, and then it's Dorcas, and I run with Dorcas. I like the Dorcas better. But I don't think I'm ever going to have to worry about our church being a church that does good works and wants to bear the fruit of good works that God has for them. I don't think I'm ever going to have to worry about that. It is a desire of yours to grow in that and to deepen that. So thank, thank you guys for taking love seriously. The third thing uh, I'm encouraged by that I see in you guys is, is you, your love for his word. You, you love this book. You love the Bible. And it's not just because it's some fun, religious, interesting text to you guys. It, it's the very word of God to you guys. You know that God is speaking to all people in all times and all places through this. You love his word 
Listen, this, this relationship with me as your pastor, it probably wouldn't go well if you didn't love his word. Because I love his word. I want to know God more through it. I love it that we, we love it to the point that we're willing to wrestle and doubt and not run away from it and just dive more deeper into it and understanding what God might be speaking to us. You guys love his word, and I don't want that ever to go away in our church. I'm encouraged that that's who you guys are. Okay, the fourth thing that I see in you guys is I think you guys are hungry like Joshua, Joshua was hungry for more of God. I see a hunger in you guys. You're hungry for more of God. You're hungry to follow him more truly. You're hungry to know him more truly. You're hungry to experience him more. You're hungry to live for him more. You're hungry for God. And I love that. It reminds me of Joshua sitting in the tent and Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. Don't let that hunger go away. I think the second that hunger starts to go away, we, be, we start to become apathetic in our relationship with the Lord. But I love that I see in you guys a hunger to know him more. I love that. I'm encouraged. You guys encourage me so much. You guys are an encouraging body of believers. I'm thankful to, 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 becoming, to be becoming the lead pastor here. Okay, now I want to move into some things I want us to press into more deeply over the the next few years. There's probably more things than what I'll mention here. But these are some of the things that came to mind as I was praying through this, thinking through this, what what I want to talk about. There's some things I want to deepen, some things I want us to press into. And the first is this, I, I want to deepen the gospel in each of us. Right, the, the gospel, the good news, the proclamation that, that God the Creator sent His Son, Jesus the King, the Messiah over all, who lived a life showing us His kingdom, who died a death securing His kingdom for us, atoning for our sins, and who raised from the dead so that we could share in life in that kingdom with Him. I want to deepen our understanding of the gospel. I want to deepen the gospel in each of us. You go, Anthony, that's why I'm here. I believe the gospel already. Friends, I want us to be so affected by the gospel that it it changes like how we eat cereal. Right? Some of you you guys are from Flagstaff. You're going, we don't eat cereal here, Anthony. (laughs) Sorry. Whatever, avocado toast. Okay? And that sounds silly that the gospel could affect how we eat, but I, I, I really think it could. The gospel has depths for us. I want us to understand it more. I want us to be shaped by it more. I want us to form us more. I want our very lives to look like reenactions of the gospel story. I want the gospel to deepen in us. What happens often with the gospel is we pick one aspect of the gospel we really like, and that's the one that we really focus on. I don't think that's always bad, but I think what happens then is there's much more of the gospel that we don't allow to form us and change us and move us closer to Jesus and who he is. 
And so I want to deepen the gospel in us, deepen our understanding, deepen our knowledge, deepen our ability to proclaim it. I, would, I want to deepen, deepen the gospel in each of us over the coming years. Okay, another thing I want us to press into over the coming years is I want us to press into unity in here. Here's something else I love about our church is there are all kinds of beliefs in this room. There are all kinds of backgrounds. There's all kinds of passions. There's all kinds of political bents. There's all kinds of likes and dislikes. You are an eclectic group of people. Right? One of the hard things in RCs is a lot of times people are like, I don't feel like anyone in this RC is like me. And I'm like, welcome to our church. (laughs) This is what it's like to be here. And I love that about our church. I love that we've got such a diversity of, of people in here. But sometimes, I think what, the, what our church feels like, it's, it's almost like we're a jigsaw puzzle. And the jigsaw puzzle is on the table, but it's not put together yet. And maybe all the pieces are flipped up right. And maybe they're starting to get kind of to the sections that they need to be in or, or should be in or whatever. And, and, and it's kind of left at that. What I hope is God takes this beautiful mess of a jigsaw puzzle that is this local church and and puts it together. Where we're sticking together. Where we make one picture together. And I hope that picture is Jesus, okay? And so I want us to press more deeply into unity over these coming years. Not just be a bunch of puzzle pieces scattered about in here, but that we will be puzzle pieces connected together representing the body of Christ. That's something I want us to press into. Okay, another thing I want us to press into is repentance and, self, and more self-awareness. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping those together because for, for this moment, I think they're linked. I think some of you are going, I love repentance. I, I love that you mentioned repentance. Why, why do we need to press more into repentance? What are you, what are you talking about? I, I, and that's why it's linked to self-awareness for me. Here's the thing. I know some of you are already, oh, man, that's a word. I heard, I've heard that out on TV, and that's a, a worldly word. Don't say that. But, okay, just bear with me. I don't mean it in the worldly sense. But here, here, here's what I've noticed about us. That we could be maturing more in our faith maturing more in our walk with God, we could be repenting more truly and completely if we just had a little bit more self-awareness at times. Self-awareness helps us to see the idols that we worship. Having a bit more self-awareness helps us to see the, the habits that we've formed over the years that are blind spots for us. Self-awareness helps us to be emotionally mature enough to repair things with loved ones when it feels like they can't be repaired. And so I I want us to deepen our self-awareness. And I I feel like we got two self-awareness camps in this church. We got kind of the the self-awareness, like, why is Anthony even saying that on a Sunday? There's no Bible verse that says that camp. And I get it, and I would just say, hey, I think deeper self-awareness can lead us to deeper repentance where we will see things we're turned towards that we don't realize we're turned towards those things and we'll be able to turn away from those things. And then I think the other side of the room would be, hey, I'm very self-aware. I know my Enneagram score, okay? Like, right? Like, I'm very, listen, guys, if Enneagram score is as far as you go in self-awareness, 
those are baby steps. There are more depths to your heart, more depths to your sin, more depths to who you are that, to, to become more self-aware of. And so as a church, that I, I think that if, if we want to represent the fruit of the Spirit, another thing I'm passionate about, I think sometimes something that's stopping us is, is our lack of self-awareness at times. Lack of understanding how we exist in the world. Lack of understanding. And I, I, I think there's all sorts of ways self-awareness comes about. And it's the sort of things we talk about all the time in here. Basically, the basic tenets of the Christian faith being lived out in intentional ways. And so I want us to, to grow in our self-awareness because I, I think that will emotionally mature us. It will mature us in Christ. And it will lead us into better and deeper and truer repentance. Okay. One last thing I, I want to deepen in this church over the coming years is I, I want to deepen our participation in God's mission. Jesus is on a mission to restore all things. He doesn't want to just restore some of the things. He doesn't want to just rest- he, he wants to restore everything. The cross and the resurrection happening in the middle of history instead of at the end of time is Jesus inviting us to participate in that mission to restore all things. It means the, re- re- the restoration that Jesus brings has happened. It's here, and it should change us. And we don't just sit here waiting for the escape pod, but we begin to participate in the restoration of all things. That's what the Spirit wants to do in us. And so I want to deepen our participation with God in his mission. And and I want to deepen it because I think there's probably some in this room who are just going like, ah, it's enough just to get by in my life. It's hard enough to even just make it on a Sunday. It's hard enough to even just be part of a redemption community. And for those in the room that feel that way, I want to deepen God's mission in your life that perhaps maybe there's ways to understand it more. Maybe there are things in your life that need to be cut out. Maybe there, there are ways that you are participating in God's mission that you don't realize that you could do with more intentionality. The other thing is I, th- I think a lot of us, we see one aspect of God restoring the world and we say that's God's mission. And, and all the other ways that God restores this world, we go, no, no, that's not God's mission. That's not God's mission. I think the restoration of all things is God's mission. And so I want to deepen in us an understanding that anywhere there is restoration or anywhere there is really sin and pain and brokenness in this world, there can be Christians stepping into that, bringing the restoration that only Jesus can bring. I want to deepen that in us. I want our understanding of God's mission to, to become ho- more holistic. Jim Mullins, who's a pastor at Tempe, he, he wrote a book called The Symphony of, of Mission, and he talks about uh, that to have holistic lives of mission, we, we need to begin to steward our lives in a missional way. We need to begin to speak the, the, the truth to others about Jesus, that we need to serve this world in a restorative way. My hope is that we begin to live lives that look more holistic like that. That we would not just take one of those categories, but that we would begin to see how we can all have holistic lives of participation in God's mission to restore all things. I I also want us to 
participate in God's mission outside these doors. Like, I, I want to deepen that. Like, I, I really want Jesus to use us to change this city and bring those that are far from Jesus close to him. Last week, we were talking about Jesus, the good shepherd, and we looked at Ezekiel 34, and we saw how the, the shepherds of Israel had failed in their calling to lead the people of Israel well. But then we saw how Jesus, how God says he's going to come and be the true shepherd. And, and the things he said that he wants to do as the true shepherd is he wants to seek the lost, he wants to bring back the strayed, he wants to bind up the injured, he wants to strengthen the weak, and he wants to feed them justly. I want us to participate with God in his mission outside these doors, doing that. Like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not interested in church transfer growth. This is like a term in, in like the pastor world. And the idea is you, you move into a town, you start a church, and then people start coming to your church and they leave another church that they've been at for many years. Listen, there's good reasons to leave churches. I'm not saying that's not the case. But I'm just not interested in growing that way. If our church grows because every Christian in town says, oh, Anthony's the best preacher in town, and that's why our church grows, I will not like, well, I probably will like it. Then that's part of the problem. But that's not what I truly want. I want us to be a church that grows because we are following our good shepherd in the work that he's doing. We're seeking the lost. We're binding up the injured. We're strengthening the weak. And that as we do that, people get a glimpse of who the good shepherd over everyone really is. That's... That's what I want to deepen in us, a participation in God's mission that affects people outside these doors. I would love for that to happen. Friends, I, 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 I'm humbled, I'm honored, I'm thankful, I'm blessed to, to be your pastor. I will do my best to fear the Lord. I will do my best to love the Lord with all my heart and invite you guys to do the same. That's my hope. Now I'm going to do one other thing that is something I've pressed into a lot over the years. And you know it's something I want us to press into. And it's prayer. Okay? I'm going to do the weird Anthony thing where I'm going to make you guys actually pray together in service. Okay? So this is what's going to happen. I'm going to give you guys a few minutes to break up into your groups and the people around you or however you want to do it and, and pray. This is something that we have been pressing into for a few years. That, you know, Jesus said, when he was flipping the tables, he said, this is a house of prayer. He calls it a house of prayer. Now, we don't worship in the temple like they did at that time, but what, what we find out in Scripture is that the body of Christ is the temple. And so if we're the temple, this place, wherever we are, wherever we're together, it should be like a house of prayer. It should be a place where we seek to pray more, and to pray more deeply. And so if this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, I would encourage coming next week for what feels like a, probably a more normal or typical service for us. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I'm thankful you're here. I could also see how that, this moment feels really uncomfortable for you. Know this, you don't have to pray. You can just kind of sit where you're at and you can kind of just watch like a documentary how crazy and weird we are. 
But I want us to pray. I want us to take some time to pray for this church as we're going through this, this new transition together. And so here's a few things that, that I want us to, to spend some time praying. I want us to thank God for this local body of believers. Like begin to just spend some time thanking God, maybe even for specific people in this body of believers that God has brought together so that we may worship and give glory to him. Thank God for who he has formed this local body to be. Thank him that this is part of how he unfolds his mission of restoration. I want you to pray that God makes me a man that always loves and fears the Lord. I need those prayers. I don't want to be someone that doesn't fear the Lord. I don't want to be someone that doesn't love the Lord. I believe the Spirit is good to each and every one of us in sustaining that. But I still want your prayer that I would be that person. Pray that the leadership of this church and even not the leadership, that we would have wisdom in this season as we, as we grow and press into things, that God would give us wisdom from himself. And then pray for any of those things that stuck out to you. Some of the things I talked about that I'm encouraged by, you can thank God that we are those people and that he's done that work in us. Or pray for the things that, that we need to press into. If you particularly have a passion for one of those things, pray that God would make us a people that press more deeply into those things. Okay, so this is going to be the weird thing. I'm going to have you guys go ahead and pray. You can go ahead and put uh, music on, like the background music on, as we just take time, break up into your households, your different groups, whatever, and take some time to pray some of those things. So go ahead and do that. I'll come back up in five-ish to ten-ish minutes and uh, close our time of prayer. God, thank you for building this church. God, thank you for making us a people. Thank you for bringing us into your flock. God, I, I pray that whatever sort of church you want us to be, that we are that sort of church, that we become that sort of church. God, correct us where we need correcting. Encourage us where we need encouraging. God, help me as I step into this role to be someone who does it well. Help me to love this congregation well. Help me to serve them well. God, may I be the chief servant among us. God, thank you for, for who you are and, and what you've done. Thank you for sustaining us as a church. Thank you for protecting us as a church. Help us to see all the ways that you have a hand in leading us and building this church, and keeping this church. God, we love you, and we th we're so thankful for you, and we desperately need you. Amen.